Please note, if you're listening to this, you must be 18 years of age or older. This podcast contains adult themes and may include descriptions that listeners could find offensive. Thank you. Nerds are just deep and neurotic fans. Needy fans. We're all nerds on one subject or another. Jonathan Leatham. Welcome to the Geeky Nerdy Polly Podcast. This is episode 25. Hello, I'm G. I'm M. And today we're going to be talking about nerding out inside. I picked the title of this one and I think it's punny because it's like nerding out <laughs> inside. You know what I'm saying? Yes, I know what you're saying. You've got the out and the in together yes <laughs> just in case those who are tuning in need to have that further explained uh yes so this this episode is coming out a bit late yes there have been some technical and uh how, how should i phrase this societal difficulties <laughs> Many societal difficulties have arisen. <laughs> Which have precluded us from recording an episode. Yes. And before we really start, I did want to address recent events. In fact, the reason I'm so tired and exhausted for those who are tuning in, I went to a protest last night for Black Lives Matter. And obviously this episode is going to be coming out later than us recording and talking about this right now, but the current state of society, you know, with this pandemic, and then on top of that, the systematic um, and systemic injustices that we're seeing going on can be quite frankly exhausting for everybody. And that certainly is not an excuse to not be taking action. So I'm trying to take action when I can and also rest when I can. So for those who might be you know, in a time of hardship and grief from the events, then I just wanted to say that I'm I'm thinking about you and sending some positive thoughts, not even positive thoughts, but compassionate thoughts. Yes, it is a difficult time that we're in right now, but I hope, I hope it is a growing pain. I hope that we all come out better on the other side of this. Yes, it's going to take a lot of collaborative effort, but I'm also hopeful that this can, you know, our collective action can help change things for the better. So, yeah, nerding out inside. How else have we been preoccupying our time in quarantine? And I was thinking about this and and gee you had said you know we did a polyamorous episode we did polyamory in a pandemic then we did a kinky episode we did a kink in a time of coronavirus and now we wanted to talk about the nerdy aspect because we're B, of course so yeah what have we been doing to be nerds while we are stuck inside well i believe top of the list is video games <laughs> Lots and lots of video games. Yes. 
So yeah, I see here in the notes that you've got, you've got, I'd say about four fifths of a page of notes on Persona Five. <laughs> yes. So that's like most. I, of our I'm going to take that. I'm going to take that as a hint, <laughs> and you know, I may be wrong about this one. I'm going to take this as a hint that you really want to talk about Persona Five. Oh my gosh, boy, do I want to talk about Persona 5. Okay. That is one of the things that's bringing me joy lately. (laughs) All right. So why don't you explain Persona 5 to me as if I have never played any of the Persona games because I have not played any of the Persona games. Oh, well, that's lucky for me then. I actually get to explain it to someone who's never played any of the Persona games. Well... To be honest, G, I haven't played any other of the Persona games myself. This is the first Persona game I've ever played. Okay. Persona 5 is a PlayStation exclusive. It was released in 2017. My friend actually gifted it to me for my birthday. Um, And for those who are familiar with Persona 5, I am playing just the quote-unquote vanilla version, which is what everybody calls the original. Which I think is funny because, you know, we're a kinky podcast, so... Nothing vanilla about it here, but there is actually a Royal version that a lot of people are playing right now, Persona 5 Royal, and that's the one that is not so vanilla because it adds a bunch of stuff. Okay. So, the main premise, so I guess we should put in some spoilers. Maybe not so much spoilers, but a little bit of spoilers. Basically, the idea is that you have, you and your friends have Personas, they're kind of like super advanced Pokemon in a sense. Okay. Except you create them as a po- Like, you don't really catch them in the same way that Pokemon are caught. But yeah, they're sort of like these personified versions of different types of personalities and different types of people. So kind so of, of like Jungian archetype Digimon? What was the first word? Jungian. Okay. As in Jungian psychology? I'm not super familiar, but maybe, yeah. Because, um, okay, so some of the personas are like, you have, like, timid personalities, timid personas, you have, like, upbeat personas, you have all these different things, irritable ones. Yeah, so they basically all take, like, a different overarching outlook or approach to life. Okay. But anyways, there's lots of different types of these. And you are essentially, the main theme is that you are, quote-unquote, stealing the hearts of bad people, of people who have done crimes, to get them to confess to their crimes. Uh, So you're not killing them, you are just stealing their heart. You basically have them have a, a cognitive break in such a way that they realize what they've actually done and that they feel guilty about it, and they want to actually confess. Okay. Now, the reason why this is a great game for quarantine is, like, you get to adventure around different areas of Tokyo. So you learn different cultural things, you're making friends, you even get to apply for jobs, and right now many of us don't have those, so, you know. Uh, Yes, I wouldn't know anything about that. Yeah, (laughs) gee, I'm so sorry. Well, if you get Persona 5, gee, you could get a job. And you could have a job at a flower shop, for example. Okay. I did that for a while, making different bouquets. That was fun. 
really the story is very engaging. Like I said, you're stealing hearts of people. You're in a band of thieves, right? Like you're training to steal hearts. And that's pretty engaging. And it's very, very long. <laughs> because it's so long, it can keep you occupied during quarantine for quite a while. And if you go through it all at once and you still want to play, the New Game Plus is quite good. And you probably didn't even see everything in the first playthrough. Because there's so many possible storylines that you can't really get through them all in your first go anyway. So I did happen to play through the whole game. I beat it. I hit it around 150 hours. Most people complete it in about an average of 120. Okay. So lots of content. So yeah, you make friends and you strengthen bonds with various confidants around the town. You're learning different people's backstories. All of the stories are really amazing. Of course, there are some that are more like inspiring or touching than others. But overall, mm -hmm. they're all worth experiencing. And this is great since, you know, it's been really hard for us to forge real in life, you know, real life person to person bonds right now during quarantine. So we get to do it sort of through this vicariously through this character. One of the interesting confidants, just to go on a little bit of a side tangent, that's kind of kinky is it's kind of a weird sideline G your teacher, you end up discovering that your teacher is part-time employed by a maid service and okay. she ends up making a deal with you and she becomes one of your confidants and you can call her to come do maid things for you. So I, I want to put a pause for yeah. just one second. Sure. Because I know what you're talking about, but I'm not sure if everybody in our audience will know what you're talking about. Okay. So what do you mean by the teacher works part-time as a maid? Well, why don't you go ahead and explain it since you know what I'm talking about. Okay. <laughs> so how do I explain this? Uh, it's kind of a cliche in like... So in Japan... Yeah, yeah Japanese, yeah. Uh, yeah, so so in Japan... There is a uh, a sort of fantasy version of European maids, if that makes sense. And there are like maid cafes where like you'll have women usually like dressed out in the full maid outfit. Like think, you know, 18th century Victorian maid outfit. Yep. I know the black and the white. Exactly. And I guess also you can like hire a maid to come to your house and as far as I know, just be a maid, like not actually, it's not sex work as far as I know. There is some sex work involved. It really depends on the type of maid that you are. Now in the game, this maid does, uh, the teacher who is a maid does insinuate that she also offers those services. Although you are her student, so she does draw a boundary and says, I will clean your room, but I'm not going to offer those other services to you. <laughs> Good to see strong teaching ethics right there. However, you can actually romance her, so none of that matters anyway. Um, you can, in fact, date your teacher in the end. What's really interesting, you know, okay, so she comes over to your house, you get a lot of really good perks from developing your relationship with her, even if you don't end up romancing her. Um, but she does, in fact, call you master. And that's pretty hot. But I was like, also, why is my teacher calling me master? <laughs> well, I mean, in this particular context, she is not the teacher, she is the maid. She's the maid. I know, I get that. I get that logically. But I'm just like, it's a little weird still. It's a little weird, yeah. but I like it because it's weird. I don't know. 
you know, and it's a video game, it's a cartoon video game, but anyways, I thought it was particularly funny because now that I'm on my second playthrough and I'm exploring new storylines, there's this one moment where you go fishing with, like, your best friend, and you find your teacher there, she's fishing. Spoilers, by the way, I gotta put up spoilers here, spoilers, spoilers, spoilers. And she is a super good fisher person, super good at fishing. All right. And at one point you get a chance. So you have these dialogue options throughout the game and you get a chance to say what you're going to say to your friend because your friend makes a comment about how good at fishing that your teacher is. Mm -hmm. And I chose the option, call her Master Kawagami. So, you know, like, because she's a master fisherman. Yeah. Fisher person. And so I, it was just like that little, like, because then he says that and she can hear him. And so now it's a little switchy because now she's like calling her master, you know? He's calling her master. Okay. So I thought that that was cute. It's just very interesting how they tie that stuff together. But yeah, so, you know, you get to meet all of these different cool characters and explore the bonds and you get to romance who you want and you can date multiple girls in the game. You can date none of the guys. Very disappointing because you're, you're playing the main character is a guy. Okay. And you can only date any of the girls, but you cannot date the guys. And that's really upsetting. I really wanted to date the main best friend character. Mm -hmm. You can date multiple of the girls, but then they do find out and they do hate you for it. Okay. So it's not super poly friendly. But in terms of kink, there's also, so in addition to the maid thing and being called master and then calling her master and whatever, there is also a whole side quest dedicated to non-consensual kink, which I thought they actually approached it in a pretty good way. There is, and again, spoilers, so many spoilers, there is a, a girl who is forcing this boy to submit to her. And she is a sadist and she's topping him and calling him stuff and humiliating him. And he doesn't actually want to do it. And so your job as the Phantom Thieves is to go in and change her heart and to make her realize that, you know, she, he didn't consent to that. So they don't actually shame her about her kinks, but rather they focus on the fact that it was not consensual. So it's very interesting huh. that they threw that in there. I'm not sure how I feel about that. All right. Do you want to talk about that? Uh, so on one hand, you know, I don't, you know, these topics do need to be explored. I guess my my question to you before I, before I talk any further, my question to you is, so you change her heart and she realizes that she is in the wrong, right? Yes. What happens after that? There is some sort of reparation that occurs. So, for example, in some of the cases, a person confesses to their crime. In this case, she goes and, you know, obviously apologizes to this person and does not engage any further in that activity with him. I believe they end up becoming friends in the end, but it's not really explored too much because it's a side quest. So all you mm. know is that she no longer is engaging in that way with this person. All right. So I guess I'm, I'm okay with like these topics being talked, uh, touched upon in, in media. I'm however, sensing a little bit of a, um, a little bit of a double standard here. And, you know, 
this is just from your description. Maybe if I played the game, it would make a lot more sense. But I'm just imagining if the gender roles were flipped, if people would still be okay with them being friends after you change the sadist heart. But I think that might be a little bit beyond the scope of this particular podcast. I'm not really sure what you're getting at, G. The gender roles didn't play much of a factor in it at all, and they do explore many people who are male or masculine presenting throughout the game as well as the side quest. She's one of the very few females that you actually confront. So, you know, again, I'm not sure if it's so much of, like, they were best friends. It's more of, like, she was able to apologize and and repair her wrongdoing in whatever way that looked like for her and this person. Okay. So, yeah. And again, it's a side quest, so it's not really, like, a main focus of the story. Okay. I definitely enjoyed it because I think, again, they did a good job of focusing on the more of the consent part. Like, it wasn't consensual with her. Um, And trust me, they go into a lot of men who do a lot of non-consensual stuff, including a man who was stalking a woman. And they change his heart and he he ends up being able to apologize to her and stop stalking her. And it turns out for the best. So that's sort of the idea behind it. Okay. So while the game, like, we've definitely touched on some of the themes, that it does contain themes such, such as sexual assault, physical assault, abuse, and so on, it ultimately takes this wholesome stance that we can actually change the world and we can all contribute to changing our society for the better. And I think that speaks to the other issues that we've seen during this quarantine, and it specifically encourages us to fight the system and end complacency and to stand up for justice. So that's something that really called to me is like, these are a band of thieves. They're high school students. They are going against the system and they really believe in people. They believe at the heart of every person that people do have the capacity for change. Even like the most terrible people that you see in this game who you're like, wow, I absolutely hate that person. I hate what they've done. You are able to see them transform. Something else to note is that this game won the Game Award for Best Role-Playing Game. It truly is like a one-of-a-kind game, and it's gotten so much praise. So I do really encourage those who are tuning in to check it out if you're interested um, in what I've been saying. And if you get Royal, the Royal version, which I don't have, it's even longer. It adds in a whole extra in-game semester of play and also new confidants. And there is a whole... There's a whole article about why this is the perfect game for quarantine. So I will have us link that in the show notes. So if you would like to learn more about the game and why you should play it during quarantine, we will have that in the show notes. All right. Sounds good. So after I've explained it to you, G, besides your little uh, whatever that was about the whole thing, kink thing, would you play it? Uh, I'm not. 100% sold on playing it because I am somewhat of a, uh, when it comes to video games, I can be something of a completionist. And it sounds like if I try to be a completionist in this game, it would just devour my life. That is correct. You would absolutely have your life devoured. Uh, So I already lost a couple years to World of Warcraft. So I tried to avoid games which will devour my life. All right. Well, 
I found that I'm happy just to play through the game. I don't need to absolutely get every single achievement or do absolutely everything. I'm happy to just do my best and play again if I want to. Also, now that I beat it, I beat Persona 5 once and now I'm on my second playthrough and I'm almost at the end of this playthrough. I decided mm-hmm. to grab the Ace Attorney trilogy, which is on Switch, and it was on sale for $15, so I'm really enjoying that right now. It's one of the first games to really showcase the visual novel-style game, um, and it's kind of old. It came out in 2001. So I really like these visual novel-type games during quarantine, too, because there's a lot of similar things to reading a book, because you're engaging in that way a lot while also having that, that interaction. Yeah, I've not played Ace Attorney games, but I'm a fan of its message. Its message being? Oh, um, reform the Japanese criminal justice system, essentially. Absolutely, yes. Oh my gosh, and I'm learning so much about like defense attorneys and what they do, and it's it's very it's very educational. Uh, yeah. So, if you don't mind me going on a little bit of a tangent here. Yeah, that's fine. So the Japanese justice system very heavily favors the prosecution. Prosecutors generally have something like a 99% conviction rate. Wait, can I pause you on your tangent? I have to pause you on your tangent. Okay. This is also seriously brought up in Persona 5 because you end up being um, kind of investigated. Like your whole thing is that you're recounting your story to a prosecutor. So you're kind of like traveling back in time through your memories of what happened. And the prosecutor ends up even saying about talking about this very issue that there is like a 99.9% conviction rate. So I actually learned a lot through Persona 5 and Persona 5 was the the reason why I got Ace Attorney because I wanted to delve into this issue even more. Yeah, it's, it's it's an interesting issue and... It, uh, I'm glad that there is some critique of it coming from within Japanese uh, society. Yeah, I think you just derailed my tangent, so I, I don't know what else to say. <laughs> you were just talking, you were saying about the 99% um, conviction rate. Yes, yeah, so the so prosecution generally has like a 99% conviction rate, and the way they're able to do that is through a bunch of very coercive tactics to make people confess. Yes. Even if they didn't actually commit the crime. Correct. That is something, again, I'm just going to stress, that exact same message is in Persona 5. And I know you just said that you're completionist and you don't want to, like, lose your life, but you would love the message of it. You would love it. (laughs) Okay. Well, it looks like that's all the notes on Persona 5 and Ace Attorney. Yes. Yeah. So I have I have also been paying, playing some games, paying playing some games. Though I have mostly just been playing Magic the Gathering Arena. Uh, I am an okay Magic player. I've also been playing Destiny Two, which T got me into. Yeah, Destiny Two. I remember watching you a little bit during that. Yeah, I have some I have some complicated feelings on whether Destiny Two is a good game or not. Okay. Because, like, on one hand, I feel like it's got a very excellent gameplay loop. Of It's just got very satisfying go out, shoot things, get loot, upgrade your, upgrade your stuff. Like, the first time I played it, I ended up, like, staying to 1am without realizing. Just 
playing the game. Yeah. But the story is told in such a weird and baffling way, in my opinion. I've heard that. I just, like, there's all this lore that you can find in the game, but you have to read it. So you can't actually get a lot of the story by playing the game, which I feel like is a failure in storytelling in video games. Like, if you can't get the story by playing the game, then you've failed at making a story for a video game. So yeah, I still I still have not decided whether I think Destiny 2 is a good game or not. And I've also been playing a bit of Tabletop Simulator. This is a virtual tabletop, uh, which is essentially just a physics engine. But you can... There's a lot of people who have made mods for a lot of different games. Everything from Warhammer to... Carcassonne to Terraforming Mars all have mods on Tabletop Simulator. I found a mod for Rococo, which is one of my favorite board games, which M very generously bought a copy for me once uh, as a birthday present. How does this mod work? What do you mean? Like, how does it work? Tell me about it. So Tabletop Simulator, it's just a physics engine, essentially. So basically, people on their own time will make a mod for a game, which they'll import the art, attach it to cards, attach it to various things, and do some scripting in order to make the game slightly easier to play. And you can just download the mod for free on Steam, essentially. Uh, So you can, it gives you access to a lot of board games uh, because a lot of people are working on various different mods. Though, of course, you know, the quality of mods will vary depending on the skill of the person making the mod. Yeah. Okay. That's really interesting. Yeah, I've been really happy with the uh, with the mod community of Tabletop Simulator because I need, I need some board games in my life. Though, speaking of board games, if you don't mind me jumping around the notes a little bit, we have also played some board games on Board Game Arena. Yes. Oh, yeah. Feel free to jump around. Yeah, Board Game Arena has been pretty good. I really enjoyed playing. First of all, we've played a lot of Tokaido so far. Um, And then also we just recently played Yumi and R. We played, begins with an H, Hanabi. Hanabi. Yes, that was quite fun. I really enjoyed that. I love collaborative games. Yeah, it's, it's a really fun game. I really enjoy it. And the nice thing about Board Game Arena is that it implements the rules, so you can't, you know, make a mistake like you could with a real board game or uh, in Tabletop Simulator. Though the selection of board games on Board Game Arena is very small compared to Tabletop Simulator. Yeah, it's not very many games, but still a pretty good, a good selection. I mean, I don't know. I haven't played, I mean, besides the two that we have played, but I did browse their library and I'm like, there's some games that I'm definitely interested in playing. Okay. Well, which games are you interested in playing? Or do you you not remember? Well, let me get it up, because, yeah, I don't remember off the top of my head, but if I go on here... Although, I remember the one of them, I guess you need to be a paying member to see some of them, or to play some of them? You need to be a paying member to start a table for some of them, but you can join any table. So if somebody, if a paying member, like, starts a table for a premium game, you can just and you're a free member, you can still join that table. You just can't start it yourself. All right, I'm trying to see. It was something about dragons, I think. Oh, I was also curious about Race for the Galaxy. (laughs) 
<laughs> that okay. would be one of the ones that you have to be a member to, or you have to be a paying person. Uh, yes, yeah, Race for the Galaxy. The little, yes, it says it's pre. Yeah, it says it's premium. Okay. Because I was really curious about playing that one. So, so just out of curiosity, what draws you to Race uh, for the Galaxy? I don't know. I just it was. It sounded interesting. It sounded curious. There was a game that I played that okay. was sort of like this um, at Christmas when I was with my friend, um, which I can't remember the name of that one either, but it was a similar style and I, I enjoyed it. Okay. Why? What do you, what do you think about it? It is the one game that I apparently cannot wrap my brain around. Really? Okay. Interesting. I... I don't think it's the most complicated game I've ever played, but it is the game which I still don't really have a good idea of how to win in that game. Okay. Despite having played it multiple times. Okay. So I've never I've never been able to like wrap my head around the strategy in that game. You know what's interesting? I think why this wouldn't be a problem for me though is because I don't really care about winning and my goal is not to find the strategy that leads me to win but I like more of the journey of playing the game okay so I yeah because I do think like that is something that you like to do you like to analyze the game and figure out like what is the best strategy for winning whereas I'm just like yeah I I'll try different things I'll try new things and just wherever it takes me is fine Okay. But yeah, if you want to play Race for the Galaxy, I know a couple of people who've got premium memberships, so okay, uh, just let me know. Yeah, that was definitely one of them. And then there was another one about dragons. Okay. I'm trying to find that one on here. Is Roll for the Galaxy like Race for the Galaxy? They sound similar. Uh, yes, it is a spin-off game uh, with slightly okay. different mechanics, uh, but the same basic premise. Anyways, so uh, don't wait on me to find this dragon thing. Okay. Whatever else you want to talk about, go for it. Well, one thing I, I didn't want to touch upon is ways that we've ways we've uh, communicating with each other, which I feel like is relevant. I don't think we covered it in our polyamorous and kinky episodes, but I think it's an important topic to cover of like how we actually what platforms we use to communicate with each other. So obviously the big video conferencing app that has been on the news ever since uh, coronavirus swept over the world is Zoom, which I've used Zoom a couple of times, so it's not my preferred video conferencing app. WebEx, I think is more business oriented, but I've seen a couple of people using it for personal, personal meetings. Discord is kind of my go-to conferencing app, both for chatting and, you know, I've streamed, I think I streamed a game of magic, a, a drafting of magic to, to you and Kay a few weeks Yeah, that was or a interesting to watch. Yeah. Using Discord. And we've also been using Google Hangouts. We used Google Hangouts earlier today to do yoga together. Yes. Oh my gosh. Yoga. We can nerd out about yoga, right? What's your favorite pose? G go. (laughs) My favorite pose? Yeah. What's your favorite? Uh, I'm not sure if I have enough experience for a favorite pose. Okay. But for a beginner, 
for beginner yoga okay. yogi what is your favorite yoga pose so far go i think i'd have to go with the um i, I don't know what the name for it is but it's when you're like you've got your upper body parallel to the floor and then you um grab your elbows and you kind of swing side to side you got your okay so uh yeah so you're in like a forward fold and then you're swinging your arms okay and i will admit the is it is it the baby pose oh happy baby happy baby yeah you like happy Uh, happy babies that is pretty fun too happy baby is so much fun yeah see nerding outs can be not just about board games and video games but obviously we can nerd out about yoga yeah I mean, you can be a nerd about any subject, you know, like I'm a, I'm a nerd about history. You are. I think it'd be safe to say, like, you're a nerd about Buddhism. Oh, yeah, for sure. So, yeah, I think it's possible to nerd out about anything. I agree. Let's see, what are some other communication platforms I've been using? R tends to prefer using Telegram, which you can't video chat on, but you can basically do everything else. Yeah, and I will have I to don't... say. Sorry, go ahead. No, go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say, I don't know many people who use Telegram. I only use it for one person, and it's not my favorite. But go ahead. Initially, I was skeptical too, but I will have to say, I love the fact that you can basically upload anything. Like, the upload limit on Telegram is like something like two terabytes for a single file. Wow, I did not know that. So, like, whenever I need to, like whenever i need to like have access to like a big file i'll just upload it to telegram to myself wow i didn't know that yeah and so i've been able to share like whole whole textbooks with uh with other people who are in my training program right now right that's pretty cool yeah i've telegram has quickly i think become my preferred chatting platform the only problem being is that with the exception of R, I don't really know, and my and my uh, cohort in the training program that I'm in, I don't know anybody else who actually uses Telegram. Yeah, it's not very, like, not popular, but it's it's just not utilized very much, and I don't, I don't tend to enjoy it that much. But now that I know that it can send large files, that's an advantage. Yeah. By the way, would you mind if I go back very quickly to board games? Go for it. Because I forgot, G, that you had asked me about teaching you how to play Go. That's correct. Yes, so G mentioned that he wanted to play Go, and I don't even know how to play Go that much, but I feel capable of teaching you beginner stuff. So there are several apps and online ways to learn how to play Go. Um, One of them I've linked here, and we can link in the show notes too, for people who might also want to play Go, is online-go.com and they actually can teach you as well on there how to play go but yeah i just remembered that now that we were talking about possibly playing i wouldn't mind having a a a one-on-one teaching session with you where you taught me how to play go sounds good all right sorry to distract you back to communication i think i was just about wrapping up talking about telegram i mean i guess there's also like I've used Facebook a little bit, but I'm really trying to decrease the amount of Facebook that I use. (laughs) Yeah, I actually have recently um, largely gone off of it, which has been very good for me. Facebook has become not a very good place, not a good safe place for me to be lately. Yeah. 
I do use a bit of Discord. We did talk about Discord. So Discord seems to be where a lot of people are headed these days. I say it's one of one of the most feature-rich platforms out there, I'd say. I mean, you can do text chat, video calls, streaming. There are all sorts of bots. I mean, some of the episodes, some of the early remote episodes you recorded were used with a Discord bot or recorded with a Discord bot. Yeah, that was pretty cool, wasn't it? Uh, yeah. So there's just a lot. It's a very feature rich platform with the one thing that I see as like a disadvantage is it has a very small upload limit. <laughs> right. Which is why I love Telegram. Now, of course, one other advantage to Discord for us has been uh, relating to nerding out is playing role-playing games. So we've been using Discord for that. G, do you want to talk a little bit about your one-shots? Yeah, so I have been running some socially distant one-shot RPGs. A one-shot, so back in, and I put this in the show notes. Episode six. Back in episode six, we talked about role-playing games. I honestly do not remember what we talked about at this point, but we did talk, we did spend a whole episode talking about it. But in case I did not cover that back in episode six, a one-shot is basically just, it's not a long campaign. When most people think of RPGs, they think of sort of the epic Dungeons & Dragons game that takes place over several years. A one-shot is just meant to be played in one session, uh, maybe two at the most. So it's not a huge time commitment like a long D&D campaign would be. Uh, so yes, I've been using Discord to run some socially distant one-shots. Uh, we've done things like Dream Askew, Lady Blackbird, Descent into Midnight. We also did Honey Heist. That was a funny one. That was a funny one. <laughs> and then on this this Sunday, we're going to be playing Nice Marines which is a brand new one-page RPG, which looks very funny and is totally legally distinct from Warhammer 40k. It does look uh, pretty funny. I am going to try to make it um, if I have the energy, but as everybody can probably tell, I'm pretty low energy today. Yeah. And I'm not... But we do appreciate you being here. I appreciate you being here. I'm not sure about... I don't want to speak for the audience. No, you can't speak for them, but... It would. But it might be I awkward appreciate. if you were trying to have a one-sided conversation with me when I wasn't here. Yeah. So I guess it's it's um, one advantage, but yeah, no, um, I'm not really a big, you know, I'm not really big into RPGs, at least not the uh, in-person kind. But I really have enjoyed your RPGs when I can make them. I just tend to prefer my RPGs as video games, but when I want to play with other real-life people, doing a one-shot over Discord has been great. Um, you know, I've been seeing a lot of people posting, like, I'm really lonely right now, I don't have anybody to play games with, and so um, inviting them into our group has been, I think, beneficial for people's, you know, social sanity uh, right now. Because mm-hmm. I think even even my friends who are the most introverted friends and the friends who really just, like, are fine being by themselves most of the time, they have really uh, missed having these in-person interactions. So doing the role-playing games has been a good way to connect. Yeah. And hopefully when I uh, actually have a job, I can spend a little bit more time prepping these one-shots and get a little bit more 
in-depth ones rather than just uh, these sort of one-page one-shots. Yeah, I know you want to do a big thing. Uh, I know you were talking about possibly doing Eclipse phase, finally, because I, of course, was going to plan on doing that a while ago and didn't get to it. So if you do end up doing that, I'd be curious to potentially take part. Okay. Yeah, I think I, I talked to R about it, and uh, he was very excited about the possibility of you, the three of us, playing an RPG together. Okay. Awesome. So, yeah, I, I am also super excited because I, I love the Eclipse Phase setting, and I finally get to, I finally get to play an octopus. Yes, uh, I know you love your octopi. I, I do love my uh, my octopi, my octopodes. Octopuses. Oct- uh, that's the worst one. Well, <laughs> that's the worst pluralization. <laughs> that's just my opinion. Tomato, you know, tomato. If that's how you, G. If that's how you, if that's how you prefer to pronounce the plural of octopus. You know, that's a good, that's a good one. My, my personal preference is octopi. Octopi is pretty good. Yeah. You like making you know, pie as well. I do like making pie. So then you could make a pie of octopus. Mm, that doesn't sound like a tasty pie. Oh, well, what I mean, I think is that you would make a normal pie, but then draw an octopus on it. Oh, uh, yes. I've seen a couple of, a uh, couple of cool designs, which... I might try my hand at at some point. So the last thing I think that we wanted to talk about in terms of nerding out, we talked about video games, board games, communication platforms. The next thing would be movies and TV shows. So G and I have now watched through all of season three of Westworld, which is the latest season. And yes, G, do you mind if I just go on a very brief rant about this season? Go for it. Okay. What I want to say about this is, ultimately, the ending was good. I enjoyed the ending. I thought it was interesting. I'm curious to see where it goes. But it got to the main growth of the characters too quickly because they didn't develop most of the characters throughout the entire season. And then they just throw all of the growth there in, like, the last episode. And you're like, what? Wow, they could have actually explored that a little bit more throughout the season. So, I was a little bit disappointed about that, but ultimately, a pretty good ending, and so many hot scenes with (laughs) Stubbs and Bernard. Damn, I shipped them. Anyways, G, what was your take on Westworld Season 3? I think, I think my main issue, I mean, the, the thing about Westworld is that the at the end of the season, it's always such an interesting cliffhanger that you're like, well, I want to see what happens next season. <laughs> but I think Westworld as a whole is a show which likes its mysteries too much. Yeah, you've said that before. To the detriment of its writing. Right. So, you know, spoilers for Westworld, I guess, season three. It turns out that... Uh, Right at the end of season three, it's revealed that Dolores is not actually trying to destroy humanity anymore. That she's actually, like, trying to 
find a way for hosts and humans to coexist. Right. But that's revealed, like, on the last episode. Yeah, the last episode in, like, the last 15 minutes or something. Yeah, and it's like, you know, I think it would have been a lot more interesting to see that change than to have this mystery. <laughs> like, seeing the change would have been a lot more dramatic and interesting than this very unsatisfying aura of mysteriousness that just does not get resolved satisfactorily. So yeah, I think those are my thoughts on Westworld season three. All right. I also see here that you've been, you watched Aquaman with T. Oh uh, yeah. After me, I was a little surprised that T actually wanted to watch Aquaman because it was not a movie I would have pegged that she wanted to watch. But I have to say, I was always planning on seeing Aquaman. It is probably the most fun, dumb movie I've seen in a while. <laughs> probably, I'd probably play it like in the same category as Pacific Rim. As like, man, that was a fun movie to watch. But it was also real dumb. All right. But you know, the dumbness doesn't matter as long as you're having fun, right? <laughs> sure. And of course, you know, some beautiful visuals, including some very nice octopi. Including, I think, like, a, if I remember correctly, there's like an octopus drummer at one point, which I loved. Wow, really? Yeah, just <laughs> drumming in this underwater arena. Interesting. You would like that. I can see now why you are attracted to this. Yeah, I mean, I'm also a fan of Jason Momoa. I've been I've been watching Jason Momoa ever since he was on Stargate Atlantis. No idea who that is. Mostly because I just don't care about any actors except Jack Black. Yes, Jack Black, sexiest man alive, according yes, to yes, of course. Well, you may not know who he is, but I've been following Jason Momoa for a while, and I I do appreciate. I do like it when I see indigenous actor actually make it big. Jason. Momoa? Yeah. Oh, okay. I mean, like, I can recognize him now that I'm seeing him. It's just, I don't link the face to the name. So, alright, okay. So yeah, I think that's about it for this episode. Unless there's something else you want to add? Not that I can think of. of, of uh, not that I can think of off the top of my head. Okay. But I think this was a good episode. We've definitely geeked out substantially. We yes. hope that everybody else is nerding out and geeking out inside safely or outside, you know, as long as you're at a social distance from people. Mm -hmm. We want to ask people to please share this podcast. Maybe you're finally going back to work and you're commuting so you can finally catch up on our episodes maybe uh you're at home and you're just thinking of someone that might like to hear our beautiful voices so please share and if you feel like donating you can donate at the link at the bottom of the show notes yeah this is g this is m don't be afraid to love how you love love what you love and love who you love If you'd like to get in touch with either M or myself, you can tweet us at KMP Podcast. 
You can find us at kmppodcast.tumblr.com or you can email us at kinky.nerdy.poly at gmail.com. Instead of the usual stinger, I thought it was appropriate for me to use a quote of my own rather than just letting M have all the fun. So here it goes. When an individual is protesting society's refusal to acknowledge their dignity as a human being, their very act of protest confers dignity on them. Bayard Rustin.